This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey up, it's the No Name Ever podcast, with your host, Jamie Smith. Hello and welcome to tonight's No Name Ever podcast. Apologies for all the technical problems for anyone who has been listening live. We've been uh, scrambling ever so slightly to, to get going, but I think we've got everything running now. My guests this evening are Joe Bailiff and... Robbie Kopak and James Bird is in control of the buttons in Adam's absence. <laughs> when Adam listens to this back, it'll be like, it's a shambles without me, and it absolutely is. <laughs> but we will kick off with talking about Saturday's game. And we'll come to you first, Robbie. <laughs> a 2-0 defeat at home to Leicester City. Probably the end of our title challenge, but we're still well in the mix for promotion. What did you make of Burnley's performance at the weekend? Um... I think given the uh, circumstances, I thought we, we played okay, but we just lacked any attacking threat, really. Just I think after we lost Sam Volks, it, it kind of knocked the steam out of us, really. Sam Volks' injury was obviously a, a major problem. We will uh, talk a lot about Volks later in the show. If you haven't heard the news about Sam Volks, Unfortunately, he's ruptured his anterior cruciate ligament in his knee, which means he won't play again for the rest of the season and uh, could be out for as long as a year, depending on how bad it is. So terrible news about Sam Vox, who, of course, went down um, really early in Saturday's game. Um, Joe, welcome to the podcast. Sorry, it's, it's such a bit, it's such a shambles right. for your first appearance on the, on the podcast. What did you make of the game on Saturday? Burnley, not really at their best, were they? Not really, no. As you can tell, we did miss the Dean Marnie in the midfield. Having David Egger coming on for the Sandvolk injury, I thought he played a good role in covering Marnie's position. But to be fair, to get the three points this on Saturday, we need to play a lot better in the midfield and improve on the wingers. But I don't see why we've got to get the three points. It is difficult, isn't it, Joe, when there's, there was already Trippier, Ings and Marnie out and then to have to change the whole game plan when Volts goes off so early and no strikers on the bench. It's very difficult, especially when you're playing the best team in the league. It is indeed, because obviously as they, they knew we were short on people on the bench. So obviously when Volks went off, they doubled up on us at the back. With uh, Certainly without 
Vox up front. We haven't got any other striker to help us out. Obviously, help Ashley Barnes out. But obviously, now we can't get anyone in the emergency window. We have to cover all aspects and try and do our best on Saturday. Well, this is it. Sean Dash said on the official site that it, it always says this when someone's missing. He says it's an opportunity for someone to come in and make an impact. And while he's right, the, the truth of the matter is there's just very few options at all. I've already been told on the chat by people listening to the show live that Stanislas or Tracy perhaps to play off Barnes. We will go through some of those options slightly later in the programme. Uh, James, if I dare come to you after the, the stress of trying to set the podcast up today, uh, you didn't think either side would play particularly well on Saturday, did you? And it was especially tricky. Joe mentioned the um, the, the injury to, to Sam Volks really early in the game, Robbie. Um, having to change for a new formation makes it so hard as well, doesn't it? Because we normally played two up front and suddenly didn't have that option and David Egg came on and played defensive midfield. It was Burnley never really adjusted to that shape, did they? No, not not really. Um I personally would have brought Keith Tracy on. I thought it would have been a better, better option to bring Tracy on to play behind Barnes. Um, I don't understand why Edgar keeps getting tried out in midfield. He doesn't justify that position at all for me. I think Edgar, Edgar in midfield is uh, he's, he's not a brilliant option, is it? I mean, I remember I was at Huddersfield before Christmas and I think that was probably the worst we played all season at Huddersfield. Edgar was playing in midfield because Dean Marnie was injured that day and I thought he was but he was poor and Burnley were poor and and we lost that game. So it was I thought it was quite deflating actually when Sam Volts went off injured. Obviously he'd been so vital to us all season. And then for him to go off with what was quite obviously a very serious injury, he'd have stayed on if it wasn't serious. So I, I thought I I felt in the crowd that it was quite deflating at that stage, and also it felt like it sort of took the the push out of the team a little bit. Do you think that was fair, James? Do you think the team um, they sort of had the life go out of them when Volks went off? I felt. It seemed so innocuous, didn't it? But it, it was clearly in pain. I only noticed actually that he'd gone off. Was I only noticed that he'd gone off because Barnes was running around like a madness up front trying to cover two men, and, and it's like where Sam Volt's gone, and he's lying down off the pitch. And even at that stage, it looked like it was going to be certainly game over. And as it turns out, it's going to be season over. Unfortunately, Sam Volt's looks like he's going to be out for the season. And a few months um, hearing from our commentators that James' sound isn't working so we will try and avoid going to James I'm extremely sorry about how this is going but we will try and we will try and uh, carry on as best we can uh, that substitution then Joe when Volks had to go off Edgar came on 
what other options do you think there was? Like Stanislas could have gone up front, maybe Wallace, Tracy as well. No, no real striking options, are there? But could could Dash have done something different to get more support to Barnes? In my opinion, I would have brought Ross Wallace on straight away, and he could play off Barnes, push Stanislas and Wallace if he came on as like a two behind Barnes to to give him some support as well, and then we have like Dave Jones in the midfield, and maybe obviously Arfield played centre mid, which I don't think he had the best game playing centre mid. Obviously, he was as an out and out winger, he should have been on the wing, and you should have started with maybe David Edgar to or David Edgar instead of Scott Arfield. I'd have dropped Cartley and played Arfield on the wing. But I suppose it's the it's the hindsight thing, isn't it? I mean. We've spoken on the podcast quite regularly about Scott Arfield and said surely he'll be able to cover central midfield in the event of Marnie being suspended because when he signed we were told he was going to be a central midfielder but it turns out that he played central midfield on Saturday and really didn't look like a central midfielder at all. So no, no. a strange case, Scott Arfield. But yeah, I agree. Maybe moving Arfield back out wide would have been a better option and he could have even gone with Russ Wallace in central midfield maybe or... If he was going to put Edgar on, I think he had to go for a flat four and just take that risk and make sure there was support for Barnes. The problem for me was that when we went to the... It was sort of like a 4-1-4-1, four, one, four, one, I felt, with Edgar playing behind a four in midfield. We just didn't get the men up in support to Barnes. So when the ball went forward, Barnes was trying to win the sort of passes we would play up to Sam Volks. But obviously he's not as big, he's not as strong as Volks, so he wasn't winning as much of the ball and... Kitely wasn't getting up close enough to win the knockdowns and Stanislas wasn't getting up either and Arfield wasn't getting into the box when Barnes came wide. Obviously, it's difficult because they've got to learn how to play with a different striker, but I think it was just... I don't think Edgar was the right choice and certainly not going to a 4 one 4 one I've actually seen people on Twitter suggesting that he could have put Edgar on up front just as a target man to aim at and... Although it sounds ludicrous, it might have even worked out better because Barnes, bless him, he worked his socks off all game, but it was exceptionally difficult for him. Um, James, we'll come back to you to see if it's working. Um, how, how did you rate David Edgar's performance? Obviously, extremely difficult circumstances for him coming on just five minutes in, and he's not really in the field after all, is he? Um, no, I thought he was. I thought he was really poor, actually. I don't know whether people can actually hear me. Yeah, but, I can um, but it was a bit echoey, so we'll try James again slightly later. <laughs> we've got to laugh because this is um, not the most professional podcast we've ever done, but we will soldier on. We will soldier on. Yeah, that sounds much better. <laughs> can you hear James? James is talking now. This is awful. We'll edit this out. <laughs> I'm not sure they can still hear you, James, so I'll just have to carry on for now. Um, the David Edgar substitution. What what more could could we have done, Robbie? You suggested Tracy up front, but there's Wallace as well, and maybe even... Um, there's been a lot of talk on Twitter about maybe Jason Gilchrist should have been on the bench, the young uh, striker who's played for the development squad, and scored a lot of goals for the youth team as well in their run to the FA Youth Cup semi-final, I think they got to last year. So do you think maybe the problem was that we didn't bring a striker in on loan or sign someone who was out of contract before the deadline last week? Is that sort of bitten us on the backside a little bit with the Sam Volts injury? Uh, 
Um, I think it has. However, I didn't think we needed a striker, to be honest, but obviously, given the circumstances, I wish we did. Um, when people suggest maybe bringing in Jason Gilchrist, I think it may be a bit too early. And I think from playing development games to, to be thrown straight into the first team is a bit of a too of a, a jump too high, I think. Um, and then I think there's... I've said it before how I'd like to see Keith Tracy playing the hole behind the striker and I think if he did play behind the striker I think he has he can create things he can shoot with his left foot so I've, I play Tracy first now Tracy's certainly got the spark hasn't he I mean we talked about uh, Stanislas on last week's podcast and it's fair to say Stanislas had quite a bad game on Saturday he was one of the few Burnley players who were well below their best I felt but Stanislas, at least he's got that creativity and you feel like he can make something happen at him, which I think when Ings isn't playing and when Trippier isn't playing, I think it's really important to have that. And If you're not going to play Stanislas, then Tracy's the, the other option to bring that to the side. So it will be interesting to see what Daishi's thinking for the weekend. Um, Word is Trippier might be back, which I suppose would open up Chris Baird, wouldn't it? Chris Baird could go and play in central midfield, couldn't he, Joe, in uh, the event of... Nobody else being declared fit. Of course, Marnie's got one more game left. What do you make of the? What do you make of Chris Baird so far? Firstly, do you think he could possibly fill in in midfield? Well, I I haven't watched Chris Baird play centre for Obviously, not watching Fulham, but as you saw on Saturday against Leicester and the way at Charlton, he didn't do the runs what Trippy does. It doesn't overlap much. He's he's one of them who will stay at right back and he'll stay. I think Jones is quite interesting because when, when Marnie's been out the side, I think he has pushed on a little bit more and he does still play quite deep. But I think um, I think Jones does maybe have the potential to play a little bit further up the pitch. Um, the point you make about Ben as well, Joe, I mean, obviously he is playing instead of Kieran Trippier, but it's extremely difficult to compare him to Trippier, isn't it? Because Trippier is comfortably the best right-back in the league. It's, it is a little bit unfair to to compare, although obviously we have to because they're the same position and that's who Baird's playing instead of. Um, Robbie, what have you made of Chris Baird so far? Um, yeah, I think he's made a good start. Um, I, I, I'm, I've only seen him against um, Doncaster and obviously Saturday against Leicester. I didn't, I didn't go to Charlton, so I didn't really see him then, but from what I was told, I was told he had a good game. Uh, on Saturday... He did defensively. I thought he did okay, but we we did like any attacking threat because he's not a player like Kieran Trippier to get forward. So I felt he he was holding us back slightly in that department. It does make it more difficult, doesn't it, for for the rest of the side when when they used to when they used to play Trippier was always going to do that overlap and. He's such a creative idol as well. I'm sorry about the dog, by the way. <laughs> it's just a, 
<laughs> Someone else is saying who's tap dancing. I'll go through some of the reader comments while I regain my composure a little bit. Oh my goodness. Uh, Rick points out that we should have four strikers even in our tiny squad. We've got four goalkeepers, for goodness sake. That's an excellent point. We're all laughing in the summer when goalkeepers kept coming in, but there's only two of them played all season. Obviously, Heaton plays the vast majority of games, so it makes you wonder why we've wasted money on goalkeepers and we're never going to get a game. Um, other comments have come in. Roger says they were top of the league. We did pretty well in the circumstances. I think, obviously, any criticism of of the performance has to come with the caveat that we had four players out after votes went injured, went off injured. And of course, Leicester are without a doubt the best team in the division. So don't, don't take anything that we say the wrong way. We were all delighted with Tiger only doing this thing. It was just one of those days, I'm afraid with everything that went against us. Um, Robbie, what did you think of Leicester's performance then? Did you think they were uh, deserved champions? It looks like they are going to be champions. Uh, yeah, I think I thought they played. I thought they played well. Um, I thought they controlled the game against us in all areas of the pitch. Um, I think they're a side quite similar to us. They work hard, very similar system, using a four-four-two, um, an effective partnership in Vardy and David Nugent too. Just like the Vings partnership with us. Um, from obviously, I've only seen them at Turf Moor once, and then I saw them on Sky against us. So, but they, they look as if they're. They justify their league position and deservedly going up to the Premier League as champions. I thought Leicester actually, they really reminded me of, of us actually. Like when we're at our very best, when we, we press high up the pitch, we go quite direct to the big lad up front. I thought it, it re- like Leicester weren't great either, but they scored two very good goals and I thought they were extremely well organised, well drilled, they didn't give us a lot of time on the ball and had that extra quality in the final third. I mean, it was 2-0, but knockout hit the bar with a fantastic strike. The Chris Wood goal was probably as good as any we've seen at Turf Ball this season. Um, Burnley were a little bit unhappy with the second goal, Joe. They felt Chris Wood had pushed Michael Duff in the back before he did hit that volley. Um, have you had a chance to see that one again? What did you make of that incident? Was it a foul or was Wood a bit stronger? I've seen, I was on the ground, I thought it were a foul. I thought it were blatant pushing the back, but when you've watched watched it back on Sky, it only looks like a tiny, tiny little nudge, and it's some teams get them, some teams don't. But you can't take it away from it. We're a good finish in into Tom Eaton, and that obviously sealed the game for them. I saw one suggestion on the second goal that um, because Duff was in midair trying to head the ball when he got the touch in the back, that any sort of contact when you're in that position is going to mean that you can't. You can't then get your head on the ball. Like what I said about the goal before is, um, is that Duff's just not really strong enough. But then if you are in mid air when you get pushed in the back, it's, I don't know how you can be stronger. Um, Robbie, what did you make of that second goal? Um, obviously, taking nothing away from the strike, it was a wonderful strike. Um, everybody seems to be pointing out um, Michael Duff for the error, but. Personally, I think Tom Eaton's at error because he's way, way, way off his line in that position. He seems to be like, even out of his six-yard box, he's basically on the penalty spot, basically well off his line. I think Chris Wood spots it and just goes for the audacious volley and it goes into the top corner. Do you think Heaton would have saved it even if he was on his line, Robbie? Probably not. 
I'm glad you said that because uh, yeah, that's an incredible goal, and I'm not sure it would have made a difference. It, it was sort of a nothing punt up field, wasn't it? And I'm trying to think back, I haven't seen the replay. I really don't want to watch the highlights or anything back, but didn't the ball bounce as well before Duff and Wood went up for it? So what one or both of the defenders let the ball bounce? Is that right? I th- yeah, I think Michael Duff lets it bounce. I think. And he's so again. Don't make a mistake in the first place, then, and that lets Wood put the pressure on. Um, the problem for me, someone, someone's pointed out. Um, Aaron's pointed out that Leicester didn't create a lot of chances, and I think that's very true. But we created even fewer, really. Like I say knock out at the bar, and I think he made one or two saves, maybe. Whereas Schmeichel was basically untested for most of the afternoon. I think our best chance was probably when Scott Arfield went in on goal, and that was because Wes Morgan slipped over. So we created like, hardly anything, really, over the course of the game. Um, just want to talk about Ashley Barnes, but obviously so difficult for him on Saturday with his strike partner going off injured and playing up front alone and trying to win the long balls from the back that we tend to play up for Sam Volks. But do you think he looks good enough so far, Joel? How much have you seen of Barnes? Well, I've seen all the game oh, Ashley Barnes, and I think... He hasn't settled in to playing second best of Volks and Ings. He, he thought he coming into the squad, he was going to get starting eleven with Volks and Ings now out injured. He might he might play as well as he could be. Obviously, when he was at Brighton, he played with is it Oyo uh, whatever it's called. I can't it's Spanish. <laughs> I think it's Oyo. Oyo, yeah, hard to pronounce. But uh, he was he was obviously now being. Playing only one striker hasn't got any other strike partners, and playing with a winger, if you need, if you just play with a winger up front, wingers don't tend to pass a lot. So I think he'll struggle without the Vorks now because Vorks were doing the the heading on, and he didn't play much wing. So I'm up, hoping he can do his best on Saturday and get us a couple of goals and the three points that we do need. I think um, we all hope Barnes is going to get better games, don't we? But it is still early days. He's only been at the club a couple of months and only started three or four games. James Bird will have one more go at coming to you to see if we've got this sound just right. What do you make of Ashley Barnes so far? I think it's hard to judge him uh, so far on what he's done. Um, <clears throat> he's come in at a really difficult time because obviously he knew he wasn't going to get into the starting lineup unless there was an injury there. Um, and I think at Ewood he was, he was pretty good, actually, to be honest. Up, uh, up front with Ings when he came on late on. Um, so I think, you know, if Ings is back within the next week or two, they could actually strike up a decent partnership together, but I don't think he's a one-up-front type of player. I think there's partly the, the fact Barnes is really a one-up-front player, but also that he's played so up-front all season, so it's very difficult to get used to just playing a different system. I, I thought as soon as Volks went off, we were just... It's we found it really hard to adapt to Sandvolks not being there. We were still playing the same passes up from Shackle for Volks to win and Barnes is not very big and Wes Morgan's one of the best defenders, certainly one of the strongest defenders in the league and he's got no change out of that. But after about ten minutes we got wise to that and then had a go with the, the ball down the channel that works quite well for Dangings, but Barnes wasn't winning that either because he didn't have enough pace to get right in the back and we tried a couple of different things and it wasn't really working. The problem for me was just that Barnes was trying to do the, the work of two men on his own and it was extremely difficult for Ashley Barnes. Later in the show, we will talk a little bit about um, 
the other options we've got to play up front. But we need to also do this month's uh, Player of the Month award. If you're listening for the first time, I know those on the podcast for the first time, I don't know how we're aware of the Player of the Month award it, he is. But this this season we've been doing a Player of the Month award all season in conjunction with Burnley Express. Uh, voting is now open for the March award. Of course, March was an extremely big month for the club, although it ended quite disappointingly. There were victories over Doncaster, uh, Charlton, Leeds, that draw at Birmingham. Uh, win against Derby at Surfmore as well and we, we beat some team called Blackburn Rovers as well uh, at Eden Park for the first time in 34 years that also happened in March so it was an extremely big one for the club took us to the brink of promotion and hopefully we'll be able to get over the line we are still taking votes for this as a poll on the site I'll put this onto the mix thing right now so you can join in with the vote and if you're listening via Twitter after the podcast I think we'll close the vote about Wednesday you need to use the hashtag Clarets POTM to register your vote on Twitter we'll just go through the panel to see what their thoughts are on this week's this month sorry player of the month um, there is one leading candidate so far in the poll so it will be interesting to see if, if um, our panel agree Robbie we'll start with you who's your player of the month candidate for March well, I, um, I'm going to go for Ben Mee. I think Ben Mee's been excellent uh, in March. Um, I think recently I've noticed him against Leeds. I thought he was absolutely superb against Leeds. And then I thought he was again excellent against Doncaster on uh, last Tuesday night. And then I thought he was in the match on Saturday as well. I think Ben Mee's added... I've seen him a couple of times recently. He seems to have more to his game going forward than he used to. Do you think that was just... More confidence, is he more used to the full-back role? He, he was a centre-back when he arrived at Turfmore, wasn't he? But he played most of his games at left-back for Burnley. Um, yeah, uh, I, don't, I don't know what it is about his attacking player recently, but he, he he does seem to have a bit of a threat about him, whether that's just because maybe Trippier has been out lately, so Dykes have maybe asked him to just push further up the field, maybe, I don't know. It is interesting, and you wonder as well if me maybe being asked to make a bit more loop going going forward, trippy about that injured, maybe something about that. We have had four, four, four of the listeners on the the mixed platform that we use as head samples player of the month. Um, I'm assuming that's as a reaction to today's news. Um, interesting to see if that translates into votes on the site as well. Uh, Jim Bird, we'll have another go with your sound. <laughs> I think you're a bit echoey, but people can still hear you. Who's your player of the month for March? I'll, I'll keep it brief to avoid the to avoid the echo. But um, <laughs> uh, I think it's it's got to be Dean Marnie. To be honest, it's it's really shown how much we miss him uh, when he's been out um, since he, on Saturday, obviously, um, and he's picked up quite a few goals while Ings has been out. He did have a couple, didn't he, Dean Marnie? Extremely important player, and I think we saw on Saturday how vital he is to the team. Um, Joe, your first. First chance to have your say on the player of the month on the podcast. Who's your player of the month for March? I've got to agree with Robbie. I think Ben Mee this season so far. He's done for the month, sorry. He's had he's had cracking games against Derby, Leeds, and the best I've ever seen him play away at Blackburn. Obviously, with the trippier injury now, that like Robbie said, Dash might have told him to use the wing more often to try and support the front two with the balls in. Obviously, as Chris Baird now doesn't do that much. I think Ben Mee's Ben Mee's the perfect person to put the balls in, and I think either him or if maybe or Dean Marnie, another person had a great season, great month, should I say? Well, opinion split on our panel between Ben Mee and Dean Marnie. It'd be interesting to see what 
what the state of the, the vote is. I think we've got a couple more days of the vote. So if you are listening after after the show goes out live on Monday night, you can still join in. Uh, there's an article on the site with a, a poll that you can just do a click and it's that simple. Or you can vote through Twitter as well. You just need to use the hashtag Clarence POTM. And if you add any comments as well, we'll get the best ones on the site and we'll um, announce the winner on the site later in the week and talk about it on the podcast next week as well. So that's that done. I'm trying to work out what else we need to do today because it's all been a bit um, all over the place. I'm sure you've noticed if you are trying to listen live. <laughs> 26 disastrous minutes James Burns just told me on the time check so we're only about halfway through oh god anyway uh, a couple more comments from people who've gone through Mike says um, I think on Saturday uh, after Sam Volts went off and they lost they lost their discipline for a little bit it's an interesting point I, I did think we were a bit all over the place but I wondered how much of that was just the fact that it was a different formation and You've got to remember as well, we had a few players basically playing out of position. Uh, to start with Chris Baird, he's probably a centre-back more than a right-back. He was filling in there. Scott Arfield, obviously not a central midfielder after all, so he was out of position. Dave Edgar, a defensive midfielder, don't think so. And Ashley Barnes as a lone striker, obviously not. So four players really not really in their best position. So it's no wonder we got beat. Really, uh, Saturday's game then at Watford. Watford have been very good at home recently, so tricky one. I suppose all the fixtures, Robbie, they look a bit harder, don't they, after you've lost for the first time in a few weeks. But Burnley, realistically, only need a couple more wins, don't they? Um, yeah. Um, yeah, like you said, now looking at the fixture list now, they do look a little bit, a little more trickier now. Um, I don't really know what to expect from Watford. They seem to be a side of who... Lack a bit of consistency. It seems to be a, a win-lose, win-lose kind of team. Obviously, last season they were a very good side under Gianfranco Zola. I don't really know why they haven't really kicked on this season. So I don't don't really know what to expect from Saturday. It certainly has been consistency. I mean, just looking at their most recent results, they won 4-1 at Sheffield Wednesday at the weekend, which is a pretty good result, although Sheffield Wednesday have just played out time for the rest of the season now. Uh, the game before that was a 3-0 draw at home to Blackburn, and they lost at Wigan, so really mixed in the last three games. But before that draw with Rovers, they won 3-0 at home, 4-0 at home, 1-0 at home, 1-0 at home, 2-0 at home. So they've had a really good run at home recently I think it's six unbeaten and five of them were victories so it's not going to be straightforward at all although Watford's playoff chances are quite slim um, Joe looking ahead to Saturday what what are you expecting from the match it's it's going to be tricky with Sam Volts missing and hopefully Danny Ings and Kieran Trippi might be available obviously I'm expecting well hoping for three points but now as I've seen Watford with a good win at Sheffield Wednesday a 4-1 win and obviously now we need to look out for Troy Deeney. Yeah, they won 4-1 at Sheffield Wednesday, yeah. Because they've come out, obviously, Troy Deeney, he's blocked past 20, 20 goals this season. That's one thing we need to be aware of. So if we keep all the ball in the midfield and mostly provide Ashley Barnes, that he'll be up front on his own, I'm guessing, again. Try and keep Troy Deeney out of the game, hopefully, because you should get the three points. What about you, James? <laughs> I don't know if you've got the settings. Saturday's game at Watford. They've been pretty good at home recently, but I suppose without the injuries, you'd still back us to get a result there, wouldn't you? Yeah, I, I think we'll, I think we'll win there. Um, particularly, I think Kieran Trippier's got a good shout of being back. Uh, so you think maybe Chris Baird plays in the middle, 
and that should hopefully be a, an improvement on the way we played Saturday. And when he sticks someone up top with um, Barnes, I'm not sure. We've uh, got Kite or Junior who could probably do a job up there. Um, so I think I think we'll win on Saturday. Goals are obviously going to be the problem, aren't they? But you'd, you'd think if we can get the ball up the pitch and and win more of the ball from Barnes than we did at the weekend. Um, just on Barnes, actually, one thing I forgot to mention earlier, I noticed, um, and again, it's very difficult for him to play up front on his own, so it's hypercritical, really, but he seems to have this habit of flicking the ball on. I don't know if anyone else noticed that. Please do let me on, know in the comments if you notice it. When the ball was coming up to him, sort of below head height, and he had the chance to control it, he seemed to to not want to do that, and he was trying to flick it instead, which is fine, but obviously Kyle and Stanislas weren't anticipating that because they used to Sam Volts dropping deep and then laying it off, whereas Bond wanted to flick it on and have people run onto it, and that just wasn't happening at all. So it will be interesting to see if they've worked on that a bit. Um, to go through some of the options then, Robbie, for, for the weekend, obviously you've mentioned Tracy. Do you, th- do you think Tracy's the best option? Maybe Kitely, when Kitely signed, I remember Dash said that he could play more than one position. And I was a bit surprised at that because I've only known him as a winger, but maybe he's an option. Arfield as well played off the striker early in the season, although that was, I believe, the Watford game at home, which was 0-0 when Danny Ings was out injured. It was. Um yeah, I seem to remember Scott Arfield was rather ineffective in that one too. Um, and then he, he, Arfield seems to be playing slightly higher up behind Barnes on Saturday and I didn't think he made much of an impact. Um, yeah, like you said, Kitely's an option. Again, I, I, still, I still go Tracy. I don't think Kitely can beat a man. Um, but I don't know if Tracy can either saying that, but... <laughs> <laughs> so, I really don't know. I really, really don't know. Um, I'm only saying Keith Tracy em- I love him so <laughs> you don't envy Sean Dash this weekend do you I mean I've been accused a couple of times and, and fairly so because I wrote a big stupid feature about playing football manager as Burnley on the site which opens yourself up to all sorts of accusations but yeah a lot of the times we get told oh it's not like playing a computer game and I think this weekend you really find out how hard football manager is because football manager being a football manager is because so many players potentially are injured and we obviously can't play Barnes up front on his own so he's going to have to have some sort of solution to it Uh, fingers crossed Danny Ings is fit I suppose then Joe obviously if Ings and Volks don't make it that's 40 odd goals rolled out like you say Troy Deeney's going to be a threat he's got 20 goals from 40 games this season so we didn't have the goal threat at the weekend, did we? So I suppose the team selection at the weekend has to address that. Some we need to get more goals in the side somehow. Yeah, well, I, f- I really think we need to play Ross Wallace, play him behind Ashley Barnes because he's got the pace. He's got obviously he's got a real mean left foot, be able to pick out the goals. And as you say, if Dave Jones pushes up a bit, he hasn't got a bad left foot on him. As you've seen, he had quite. Yeah, he did have a shot against Leicester. What did look goal bound. And for the past games I've seen at home, he has been wanting to get forward, but obviously having Dean Marnie there, he's having to sit back. So now we're not having Dean Marnie in the midfield. Dash might say that Dave Jones push forward if Trippier's fit, put Chris Baird into midfield, and he will act as the holding midfielder. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean... I think Trippy is probably more likely to make it than Ings. I mean, it's not that we have inside information. That just seems to be the sense of 
what's likeliest. Trippy was only ever meant to be a couple of weeks, so should be back for the weekend. Uh, suggesting Daniel Bentley, um, assuming Trippy would be back, I suppose. Ben Jones to sit, which is similar to what you just said, Joe, um, and play Arfield sort of behind Barnes with Wallace and Stanislas out wide. Uh, I mean, there's no place inside for Michael Kitely. Um, James, what would you be thinking for the weekend then? Brian Stock, I suppose, is is normally your stock answer. <laughs> so are you going to find a way to shoehorn Brian Stock into your team? Is he even fit? I mean, you keep saying play Brian Stock, but is he fit? Well, he's fit enough to be on the bench on Saturday, so um, <laughs> you'd guess so. Uh, I probably wouldn't play him, though. I'd, I'd probably <laughs> lean to playing Keith, to be honest. Um, and sticking our field sort of uh, in in the hole as uh, as that gif sort of nicely <laughs> illustrates. Um, but alternatively, you could you could play kind of what uh, Daniel suggested in the chat and have Jones and Stock sort of sit deep and put three more attacking players in front of them, and uh, that would probably work because obviously you get Stock's distribution. You get sort of Jones's work rate, and then obviously you've got the three attacking lads who can support Barnes. I don't think it's actually that daft a suggestion. I mean, I don't know how likely it would be for Stock to come into the side for such a, an important game when he hasn't played for a while. I always think Stock looks better when he's got somebody else sitting as well. So whether it was Stock and Baird or Stock and Jones, I mean, you play Stock and Baird and then Jones play a little bit further ahead. It's made a very good point that we haven't really considered. Um, and it's, it's a shame Adam hasn't got his little clip to hand because I'm sure you haven't got this ready. But Jack says, Ben and Jones will be the ugliest CM partnership in history. Whereas, of course, Brian Stock would improve matters. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. As James has pointed out, Brian Stock is a very attractive man. So, yeah. Let's leave that one behind for now. Um, we've got about 10 minutes to go on the show. Uh, one of the things I wanted to do as well um, was just go back to this, the, the, the deadline for, for signing players that we touched on briefly earlier in the show. Um, it's hindsight, isn't it? And hindsight is always a very, very helpful thing. But, Robbie, should we have signed someone when we had the chance, even if it was just someone who was going to be a body? I mean, Daish is very keen on getting someone in who fits with the group and everything like that. But surely anyone is better than no one. Um, yeah, I, I do agree with you. But if, when we did have um, Volks and Barnes fit, I didn't think we needed any cover at all. Because I thought I expected Ings to be fit um, back by now. Because when Ings got and was um, initially injured, I'm sure the football instead a couple of weeks. But how long's he been out for now? It, um, it approaching a month now, wasn't it? I think. I think it is closing in on a month. Yeah, I think the club was always a bit wary to give a, a firm timescale. Things, and it, it, I think it's one of them where they don't want to rush him back, but. There's potentially a situation at the weekend where they maybe have to take a chance on him. If 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 that's the only option, do you think the club would even entertain risking Danny Ings, James, or would it be a case of try anything else? Because if you get a long-term injury for Danny Ings, we're in real problems, aren't we? Um, yeah, I mean, I think everyone knows what my uh, my position on our promotion status is, and I think at this. <laughs> This stage of the season, you wouldn't really risk um, a player like Danny Ings. 
especially when he's got that history of uh, knee injuries and, and whatnot, you won't want to uh, risk him being out for a longer time, maybe like Sam is, and then you'd be going into the Premier League season needing two new strikers rather than just one. Yeah, so <laughs> throwing Danny Ings in on starter unless he has a, a good recovery in the next few days. Um, one response from Aaron to my comment there saying that anyone would be better than no one. It says Tom Cleverley is worse than no one, which um, fits with <laughs> the scapegoat of the day for all bad football teams, I suppose, Tom Cleverley. Um, Joey, I suppose it, it would have been difficult, wouldn't it? And I'm sure the club tried really hard to get somebody in, but do you agree that just bringing in any sort of striker who could be an option? It'd been, we were sort of asking for trouble, weren't we, by only having the two strikers? Yeah, obviously only starting with a, a, squad, a small squad of 19 at the start of the season. We've done quite well just in the last end of the season to have an injury. But it ends up being one injury into two injuries, having Ings and Volks out. Obviously the long window shutting on Friday, I would have thought that they'd brought Someone's like an emergency in case Volks did get injured, which means with the leads with Barnes. I'd have thought we could have gone for that Tom Pope from Port Vale, <clears throat> who's been scoring freely all season. And I'm surprised he's not at a championship club yet for how well he's been doing at Port Vale. He's a big lad as well, isn't he, Tom Pope? So it would have been quite a good solution for Sam Volks. <clears throat> at this stage of the season, I suppose anyone he's played, it's difficult to get them away, even if it's upper level or two. Because... Um, they'd have been sat on the bench here, wouldn't they? I mean, I was thinking more Premier League youngsters who were needing to get some experience. The one that was in a couple of the papers was James Wilson from Manchester United, a player I don't know that much about, to be honest, but I think he did play for us again, sorry, in um, a youth competition last season and scored a couple of goals. So we've obviously seen a little bit of him and he, he might have been a up had a couple of people on the live chat today asking about Jason Gilchrist. And I don't know if any of our panellists today watch the youth team regularly, if it's all. But yeah, Gilchrist, it's it's a big old jump, isn't it, from development score football to the championship. But sometimes you just never know, dear. I mean, if, if things isn't fit, then surely having Gilchrist on the bench, it can't can it do any harm? It can't do any harm, can it? What do you think, James? He's like 16, 17 years old. I suppose you have to consider the effects as a person as well as a player. Yeah, well, there's only one way you're going to find out, isn't there, to be honest, and that's to, to throw him in there. Um, maybe you stick him on the bench and then you've got him as an option if, if the game isn't going very well at half-time um, and you, you feel you need to change the formation. But uh, it, it can't hurt him. I mean, if you, if you can score goals, you can score goals at any level as, you know, as long as you get settled in the game. I mean, I'm, I'm sure Dash is well aware of, of Jason Gilchrist, and um, I'm, I'm sure he's also talking to his staff to see if to see if there's a chance he can step up. He does seem to be the most likely from from the development squad, and he has scored plenty of goals for the youth teams. Yeah, you never know. I mean, you do see strikers who score plenty of goals in youth teams, but then go on to have nothing of a career. For instance. Ian Noble, who, who scored a hell of a lot of goals for Sunderland's youth team and even reserve team, but obviously did nothing here and he's, he's ended up at Gateshead in non-league football. So it just shows how big the gap is from youth team football to first-team football. I suppose ideally we'd get promoted with a couple of games left and be able to have a look at players like Gilchrist, but it's probably going to go a bit closer now. Um, obviously, we all know 
games as defiant already. But um, Joel, how, how many more points do you think we need to be to be really certain? You're out. Maybe. I think maybe we've lost. We'll come to you, Robbie, on that one. How close do you think we are now? Is it a couple more wins, or do we, do you think we need more than that? Um, I would say, yeah, I think maybe two more wins should should just about do it. Um, obviously, it obviously depends on how QPR go on and Derby, but uh, realistically, I think two more wins should see as as good as promoted for me. So, just finally, then we'll do a couple of predictions for 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 the Watford game at the weekend. Watford away, of course. And um, excuse me, if you're not at the game at the weekend, we will of course be doing on and have a live from about half past two on the site. It's the, the best possible place to follow the game if you are not able to get there and watch it in person. But Watford away at the weekend. We'll start with you, James. You've already said it was a score line then. I'm going to go for an emphatic win and uh, to just to book all the negativity that's been around this week. Um, 5 0. <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. never sure when you still be serious with these predictions or if you're just saying whatever comes to mind. Um, Joe, what about you? Give us a prediction for Watford on Saturday. I reckon we'll have a comfortable 2 0 win with uh, Scott Arfield and Ashley Barnes. Oh, well, hopefully Barnes is going to get a goal because we are reliant on him now. Jack says three or four wins means QPR will have to win every game, so that would probably be enough. Finally, you then, Robbie, prediction for Saturday's game? Unfortunately, I'm not as um, optimistic. I'll go for a 1-1 draw. I was going to say 1-1 as well. I think the score draws maybe the best we can hope for, depending on who's fit and available. Hopefully, Kim Rippey will be back. Maybe Danny Ings will be back. Some folks, um, if, you, if you've not heard already, it's going to be out for the season and possibly for the rest of the year after that knee injury. Of course, everyone at and ever wishes Stan Volks all the best for his recovery and hopefully we'll see him back playing football in the Premier League next season. We'll just have to make sure we get promoted for Stan because we wouldn't be in the position we are now if it wasn't for Stan Volks. So really terrible news about Stan Volks and hopefully he'll come back bigger, better, stronger than ever before. Um, like I say, none and ever live will be... Um, from about half past two on Saturday afternoon we'll have all the chat and action from the game if you're not able to make it there the podcast will be back next Monday night at about seven o'clock hopefully with Adam running the show because as we've proven tonight we can't really do a very good job without him and thanks to everyone who has listened today I'm I'm sorry about all the problems we've had the late start the technical issues we will try and get back on track next week thanks to Joe and Robbie for being my guest this evening James for doing his very best to keep everything under control um, so yeah thanks again for everyone who's listened I've been Jamie Smith this has been the Non and Never podcast episode 34 this week and we will be back next week good night you've been listening to the No Nay Never podcast for more visit nonaynever.net and don't forget follow us on Twitter at nonaynevernet Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.